Hey everyone, happy 2021 and welcome to season four, episode one of the Golf Life Alberta podcast. I am your host, Leah Snethin, founder of Golf Life Alberta and the Alberta Golf Tour. I am so excited to continue bringing you the best in golf in Alberta. And as always, I want to provide content that you care about. So please hit me up on social media and let me know what you want to hear this year on the pod. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GolfLifeAB. Now, in case you missed it on our last pod of 2020, the pressure to release weekly mixed with a bunch of COVID stuff ended up in us barely releasing any pods last year. So to alleviate that pressure, I'm absolutely committed to releasing at least one podcast per month with the hope that I will get a few months in with more than that. I wanted to give a quick shout out though to some local golf related podcasts who have started up recently. Uh, apparently Golf Life Alberta inspired these people to kind of get on the podcast bandwagon and I think that that is so awesome. For industry professionals, the PGA of Alberta now has their own education podcast and a new one from my buddy Reese Royer from the Shaw Charity Classic. Uh, he started one called the PGA podcast, which is spelled PG underscore EH, uh, tracking Canadian golf professionals every tour weekly. So make sure to give that one a follow as well. And of course, helps our rankings if you subscribe and give us a generous five star rating. So if you want to go ahead and do that, that would be fantastic. Now with all of that in mind, let's get to it. Today we have two guests. You're going to want to stick around uh, to hear some chatter about Mickelson National and Launchpad Golf with owner Barry Ellert later. But first, if you follow us on social media, you'll notice that we've been doing a little initiative called Women's Wednesday. There are so many women who do so much for golf in this province and have such amazing stories. This week, we featured Kim Carrington, who is not only a sales rep for G&G Golf and ACI Brands, but she is also a back-to-back winner of the Alberta Golf Senior Ladies Provincial Championship. So without further ado, have a listen to my interview with Kim. Hey everyone, we are here with Women's Wednesday. Uh, Kim Carrington, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to have you on board. Um, I just wanted to, I mean, you, you're such a big part of the Alberta golf scene in, in so many different ways. Um, a high level competitive amateur golfer, obviously, as well as a sales rep. Um, it's, it's kind of cool to see a fellow rep out there who can go out there and win all of these provincial championships as well. (laughs) You're so kind. (laughs) I'll pay you later. Yeah, exactly. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, um, I guess back to your beginnings, kind of what, what got you interested in golf? How old were you when you started playing? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because I, I've, I've, grown up into the world of golf and I don't know anything else but golf. Um, I dabbled a bit in the ski industry as a sales rep, but golf has definitely been my, uh, my blood. It's, uh, it, I have two fathers that are golf professionals. Um, 
you know, my mom is, uh, has been known in, in earlier days being, um, you know, pretty special, spe spectacular buyer for their pro shop, Jim Jemson, mom, Shelly at World Park Golf and Country Club. Um, my dad, Bill, uh, he was a longtime golf professional at the Windermere in Edmonton. So I kind of grew up playing golf as a junior in Edmonton um, at the Windermere, um, kind of my home away from home. Love that golf course. And I guess with going to school and, and, and going into, you know, different industries, I just kept finding myself back working in the golf business. And, um, you know, I, a couple things from back in the day, I, I worked, um, when I moved to Calgary, um, I worked in a, in the halfway house at Willow park and, and that was kind of my first job ever. Then I dabbled in a bit being a flight attendant for Pacific Western Airlines for a bit and then literally came back into the world of golf and worked with Don Price at Glencoe Golf and Country Club, which was kind of cool to, to start there. But I kind of always wanted to be the person to, you know, be in the business to help my family if I could. And back then, I don't know if you would remember, there was a store that was owned by um, a number of golf professionals. The Rick Martisons would be a name from the past. Jay Wilson, Andy Black, Jim Jemson, um, Doug Wood, um, and a lot of these golf professionals kind of teamed up together to create some um, products that they could sell. Um, the store itself, we had hitting cages, driving range, indoor sand traps, um, 3,000 square feet of retail space. Uh, Don Brayton was kind of at the helm of, at that time, and a lot of the golf pros would come there and teach their members. So the store was kind of behind its time. Um, for sure. And that's kind of where I started working and, and got into retail, got into buying, got into knowing and understanding a lot more about the golf industry. And then um, Bob Suter came along and Bob hired me to be um, an assistant rep with him back in the days with Fletcher Leisure Group. And uh, we sold McGregor and Footjoy during that time and Dassault Skiwear and a whole bunch of brands that it's just uh, a long list to name. And that's where I got my start. I started in 1988 and the year of the Olympics and um, fell in love with doing what I did as a rep in the ski industry and, and golf, but definitely um, as years went on, um, the opportunity to stay in golf came about four years later where I was approached by um, Bob and Pat Tate. Um, Pat Tate was Patricia Tate. She's the namesake of uh, the great legendary Pat Fletcher um, and her and her husband, Bob had uh, Cobra golf equipment. And that was my first start in the industry on my own, um, opening up my own business, my own agency and, and sold uh, Cobra Golf for almost uh, 15 years. I guess I got to ride the gravy train back then with Greg Norman at the helm of, of Cobra Golf. And that's kind of where I started. Very cool. How old were you when you started playing golf? Um, I would say probably just, you know, young, young teenager, even like even maybe 10, 11, 12 kind of thing, you know, I'd be mm -hmm. down on the driving range. And back then, uh, Mo Norman used to come down to Windermere and practice. And I remember um, some names of the earlier days that Tony and Doug LeCure and, and all those guys that we would go down and we'd sit down by the old, this big old tree at the back of Windermere and we'd sit and watch this at the time, no idea who he was. Mo Norman stand there and repeat himself and repeat shots and hit off Coke bottles, large tees. And, and we would just sit there and watch him. It was almost like a little mini clinic. And then we would get up and go and hit balls on the driving range. And yeah, for sure. I would have been in that, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, but never really, really um, took advantage of my situation, having 
um, the opportunity to live and breathe being at a golf course daily. Um, I really probably didn't start playing much more golf until, you know, maybe the late, late 80s, early 90s. And especially when I moved to Calgary, when Jim got the head pros job at Willow Park and kind of that was, uh, you know, my time of time to shine playing more golf for sure. Very, very cool. So you have multiple uh, provincial championships under your belt. Can you kind of, I know you're not necessarily the type of person to, to, you know, talk about all of these wins, but I've only known you for a few short years. And and I know that even just in the past few years, you've got several under your belt. So can you take us through a little bit of some of these big wins in your career? Wow. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny because, um, I've definitely, I, I, I've played a lot of amateur golf for sure. And I've played on Alberta teams as a, as an amateur uh, player. And, um, and I think I probably started shining more in my, in my world of, of golf was um, later on in, in my golf career, for sure. Um, I think I would always believe I'm so blessed and so lucky that not only do I get to sell the game and try and promote the game and be a part of the game, um, that I also get to play the game. And I think that's probably the most important part for me to promote golf, promote junior golf, promote women's golf, promote golf period. And I'm, I guess I'm just very blessed to be able to, as I say, sell the game and play the game, um, in itself. So I think as I peaked in my, um, later years as senior, uh, which is (laughs) age is 50, um, that that's definitely where, where I kind of shined a lot more over the last number of years, being able to play some pretty spectacular golf courses and, and courses that have hosted the Alberta senior ladies, BC senior ladies. And, um, and uh, yeah, been very fortunate on some of the wins. Now, last year, I seem to recall uh, a pretty lights out. I mean, it was, it was a good round, but there was nine holes where, were you not four under at the Glendale last year? The Glendale. Wow. That's crazy. That's such a good golf course. Um, you know, it, it, I, last year with it being a COVID year, this past year being a COVID year, I opted um, not to play golf at the start of the summer um, for a couple of reasons. One was in a COVID year, it was interesting with work, just having to try and navigate through helping the customers and all my accounts in Alberta and the East Kootenays to um, work with us and as suppliers. Um, not only do I do G&G Golf, but I also do ACI Brands, which is Antigua, Lopez, and Bridgestone Golf. So I had a lot of brands under my umbrella to help the golf accounts navigate through this COVID time. And so I didn't really play much golf, to be honest, at the very start. And then it was getting hard to even get a tee time because as you know, golf just blew up and, and I'm not an asker. So I I didn't want to ask, you know, fellow friends of golf to get tee time. So I kind of opted to back out of golf a little bit this year. And um, then when Alberta golf announced that they were going to have a safe event and they were going to host the Alberta ladies seniors at the Glendale, I had panic mode all over um, two weeks, literally before the tournament. And I had only played six rounds of golf up until then. Um, so I did what I knew best. And that was to call Jim, my stepdad, and basically yell for help and say, I have two weeks to somehow find a golf swing and fine tune something that I could do to play in the event. Because yes, defending your title um you obviously want to defend your title and you want to go back to win. So there was a whole bunch of reasons for me to defend my title this year um, for 
a variety of reasons. Um, so yeah, so Jim took me, we went to the old RCGA Learning Center, the Golf Future where Kelsey Clayton is and phoned her and said, help, we need we need some time, we need some spots. And I just needed to go and, and fine tune my golf swing, which Jim helped me with. And we were there probably four or five days. Um, and then I left and went up to Edmonton for the week, 10 days. Um, and basically what I did there was I, when I went to Edmonton, I went back to my home away from home in the Windermere. They got a phenomenal practice facility. And of course my dad and his wife are still members there. So Jason and Bryce were spectacular, just telling me to come and use the facility as if it was my club and practice all I want. And I did, I I've never ever practiced so much, even on my short game, never my practice, just chipping and putting and, and hitting shots. And I've never spent that much time practicing um, like I did this year. And anyway, so I did play a couple rounds. I played two practice rounds at the Glendale and, and the Glendale, if you know, it's just, it's, it's a spectacular piece of property. It's a big property. It's a big golf course. And one of the things that is there is the designer of the golf course, his name's Norman Woods. And he also designed Willow Park Golf and Country Club, which I had no idea. And when I was there playing Glendale, um, I had talked to Jim after and said, you know, like these greens are so big and I've never spent so much time drawing greens, drawing ledges, drawing arrows and dips and valleys and high sides and low sides. I've never spent so much time drawing greens. And Jim said to me, you know what, those greens should feel like home. They should be your friend because you've putted on Willow Park screens for 37 years. You know, you know, the greens. And that's why they felt so comfortable. They felt so good. I was so relaxed, felt so confident in my reads and, and reading those greens. And, and clearly it, that was probably a very good reason why was Norman's Woods designing them. And uh, anyways, yeah, I, I, I loved the course and played really well there. And I drew upon uh, my mom's always been giving me over the years. There's not one round of golf I haven't played that she hasn't texted me inspirational messages and one of the things she said was pull within from the past. So that kind of probably not, it, it did, it, it, it sparked me to say, wow, you've done this before, you've had wins and um, let's just pull from the past, know that you can do this. And kind of that's, that's what I did. And having fortunate to be able to have won some back-to-backs over the last kind of four years and uh, winning at Pine Hills the year before, then winning in BC at St. Eugene, um, and then coming back to win um, um, at Glendale was was pretty awesome. Loved it. Yeah, you've you've had quite a run, and of course, I love Pine Hills is my home course, so I talk about it all the time on the podcast. So um, they still have all of your stuff and all your signatures hanging up there from winning the year before. <laughs> and, um, obviously another amazing woman in the industry, Cindy at St. Eugene. It's always nice to see a female head pro as well. So I was keeping track of you when you won that one as well. So, well, you know, since funny Cindy's a customer and she, um, when I knew that she was hosting the event. She right away phoned me and asked me if I could help them with tea gifts. And I'm like, absolutely. And so we went through this whole program with tea gifts and she's like, Hey, now I've got all this stuff coming from you. You're coming to play. And I'm like, oh, I don't really usually play in the BC seniors. And she's like, you, you got to come and play. And I'm like, she goes, I am your account and this is your territory. And I'm like, you know what, Cindy, you're right. I am coming to play. <laughs> so I was, I was fortunate that I could, uh, 
uh, go into my territory and work and, and, and be able to play as well. And St. Eugenia obviously is a pretty special property too. It's, it's, and she is a phenomenal host, as are the boys um, at Pine Hills. That was a great experience as well and being a part of, of that property as well. So Yeah, it's very, very awesome. So I haven't even actually looked at the senior ladies. Where is it set to be held this year? It's going to be held at the beautiful Lethbridge Golf and Country Club. Oh, excellent. And planning on going to defend again? Yes, um, I will definitely uh, be going down there. I um, Lethbridge actually has been um, a home of uh, many years of the start to Alberta fun, competitive golf, if you will. They've always hosted the ladies um, open at the Lethbridge Golf and Country Club. And it's always kind of in the start of the season. It was always kind of that place you would go to kickstart your golf and to have some fun. They've got the, you know, three days of great golf and there's the casino down there and, and everybody who wants to kind of have obviously fun. Um, we kind of joke, it's who can stay up the latest and win the most at the casino and not be too hungover to play your best golf ever and come out as a, a champion at the Lethbridge Ladies Open. That's awesome. Well, Kim, thanks for joining us today. It has been a pleasure kind of chatting about your upbringing in golf. I know I can relate. I'm still in my mid thirties, but I feel like I'm on this similar path of just, you don't know anything other than the industry. And my brother got into it at a young age, like right out of high school. And then annoying little sister followed him in and then he left, but I stayed and <laughs> here we are 15 you know, years it, later. Yeah. I mean, it's a spectacular industry and the people that you meet and the people along the way and the people that you're involved with. And um, there's just so much passion. And I think that's, you know, there's so many people that don't enjoy what they do for a living. And I think any one of us in the golf industry can honestly say how lucky and fortunate we are to be in an industry of passion. And everyone I know that uh, you come across, it, it, it truly is a world of passion for sure. Yeah, 100% agree with you there. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Kim, and we will hopefully see you on the links, maybe, maybe an AGT event or two this season. I would love to have that happen. I will try my hardest to make that happen this year. We talk about it each year and it hasn't happened, but let's, let's make that happen this year. I think the, the champ flight boys need to be put in their place by Kim Carrington. That's what I think. Well, I appreciate the kind words and thank you as always. Great talking with you. And I wish you and everyone a phenomenal 2021 golf season. And hopefully we all are safe and, and sound and, and COVID free soon. Agree. Thanks so much, Kim. Thank you. Oh man, I really enjoy talking to Kim. She is just a fun conversation. Did you catch though? Okay, so when she was talking about her practice rounds at the Glendale and how she had never spent so much time mapping out the greens, like, I mean, I know I'm not that great of a golfer, but that is not what I do during practice rounds. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, like, that's totally the kind of thing that the pros, caddies do and stuff too. So clearly I'm not practice rounding correctly. So you guys, uh, that just made me curious, like, what do you guys do for practice rounds? Um, do you just play them to see the course and just kind of, you know, gauge where you can and can't miss and roll a couple 
putts on the greens in different areas? Or, or do you legitimately draw everything out in the slopes and the ledges? Like, how do you play? Do you play the best that you can? Or do you purposely hit to bad spots to see what it's like? Let me know. How do you play practice round? Okay, moving on. Next interview is with Windmill Golf owner Barry Ellert. And we had the chance to talk about Mickelson National, as well as the recent new announcement of Launchpad Golf. So very excited about this. If you guys didn't get a chance to play Mickelson yet, it's still open to the public. So do not miss out. Get out there in 2021. It could go completely private at any time based on membership sales. So don't miss out. It's one of those you just... It's a bucket list course that like you have to play it. There's nothing like it. So you got to play it at least once, but you'll probably need a redemption round. At the very least, you're going to play twice. Anyways, here is my interview with Barry. All right, you guys, we are here with the owner of Windmill Golf, Barry Ellert. Barry, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview today. Leah, my pleasure. Um, can't wait to have an awesome conversation. Well, let's start. It's been a very exciting past several years, um, but really focusing in on the much-anticipated much opening of Mickelson, um, finally open for full play on 18 holes. Um, let's start with that. What's the response been over the past year about Mickelson National? Well, I love your characterization of finally opening because uh, it's been a long process for <laughs> me as well. And uh, I've been involved in this project over 14 years. Um, obviously, not a lot happened during many of those years. But yeah, it's certainly been a process. We did get open June, uh, early June, June 1st of this year. And you know, I think the reception has been absolutely outstanding. It was a, a busy year. People were really, really impressed with the golf course, um, which is nice to see. Like, you know, being involved in a project this long, you kind of have a tendency to go through some of these periods of time where you're like, gosh, am I making the right decision? And is this going to turn out the way that we envision? And, you know, certainly... Um, not too long into the opening, I, I knew it was very special. The feedback from residents, from our members in particular, from outside guests, it was just outstanding. So it uh, was definitely a, a great opening, and we're really looking forward to 2021. Now, I know you're a busy guy managing a whole bunch of projects and golf courses and staff and everything. Um, did you actually get the chance to play Mickelson? Um, I did. I wouldn't say I've played every golf hole yet <laughs> as crazy <laughs> as that sounds um, I, I played many of the golf holes because of when I would play later in the evenings and different times of the day uh, multiple times but I, I didn't play every golf hole I toured the golf course many many times just looking at you know various things to improve or you know little things that we want to make a, enhancements to but I haven't played a full 18 holes and that was by design um, because I had taken some time off golf with a, a back problem for a number of years. And I really want to get my golf game back to where it had been in the past growing up. 
before I get out there and take on Mickelson uh, in a full 18 holes. That's fair. Uh, well, you might have a different answer later once you've had a chance to play all 18 holes. But as of right now, what would you say your favorite hole is on the golf course? Oh gosh, I knew that question was coming and, and it's a really tough one to answer. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for hitting driver and what's beautiful about Mickelson is you can hit driver on so many golf holes on every hole if you really want, other than the par threes, obviously. I really, really like the 16th hole. I think it's super picturesque. It, it's kind of a, a short, you know, even drivable hole for a lot of people. Um, looks back hitting towards the mountains from an elevated tee. I, I love that hole. Um, one of my favorite other holes is the 10th hole. It was kind of the first hole that we graded um, and you could really visualize a golf course. And so it's always been a special golf hole. Um, I also, man, I love the stretch of uh, golf holes um, around like three, eight and 17. This cluster of par threes is super special. Um, I love the 18th hole. It's a great finishing hole. I, I, I might be able to just name all the holes by the time I'm done here, but <laughs> Um, gosh, I better stop where I am, but yeah, so many good golf holes. I, I think, you know, that's one of the things that makes Mickelson special is that, um, at least in my opinion, there's a lot of golf courses and even, you know, I own some that are, it fit this characterization in my mind that there's really, there can be great 13, 14 mm -hmm. golf holes, but there's sometimes, you know, two or three that for whatever reason, it's maybe not my favorite holes or, you know, they have blind air tee shots or different things that maybe don't make them as great of a golf hole. But at Mickelson, I just feel truly that all 18 holes are really special. They're different. And when you bring them all together, it's super special. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a chance to play it once, but we started on the 10th hole that day, which of course I also love the, the, just the visual of the tail, like standing on the tee box, looking towards the green on the 10th hole is just seeing all the bunkering out there and all the mounds. And it's like you said, just a beautiful golf hole. And you can really picture what the rest of the round is going to look like. But then man, that whole stretch from like 11 to 15 just kicks your ass. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I needed a lot of, uh, a lot of liquor at the turn. I have to admit. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least uh, 11's a, a, a long par five, but it's downhill and, and typically in, with the wind, with the prevailing winds anyway. So, uh, but I hear you, there's uh, some length involved in the course. And, you know, I think it's really important to look at the yardage and play the property uh, at that golf course, because there's certainly areas uh, that you don't want to play, you know, a 530 yard par four if you don't hit the ball far enough. Right. So I mm -hmm. totally get it. Um, and, uh, definitely can, uh, need to take some medicine after a round there if you're not careful. Yeah. I think I, on, on the back nine, which of course played my front nine, I think I was like 47 or something. And then on the front nine, which played my back nine, I was 38. So oh, I'm wow. going to say the booze, the booze helped. Yeah. That's right, what I'm going right. to go with. <laughs> there you go. So, um, you also recently made a pretty major announcement that kind of rock the Calgary golf world, a, a new concept, not an actual golf course this time. So uh, why don't you tell us all about what's going on? Yeah. So um, I, I, I know you're referring to Launchpad Golf. Um, it's a new concept that uh, 
I've been working on for uh, a long time since about 2017. Um, and you know, some people will be familiar with Top Golf or Drive Shack or some of these other concepts that have some similarities in the United States. And uh, certainly, I think there's definitely some some commonalities with Launchpad Golf. But um, yeah, we are uh, uh, breaking ground on two facilities uh, now, and you know, the response from the day that we've announced December 18th until now has just been overwhelmingly positive. And I'm really, really looking forward to what this brings, not only to the golf scene, but I truly believe that a lot of people are going to visit Launchpad that aren't golfers um, just because of the type of facilities it'll be and the type of entertainment uh, that we'll provide. So it's certainly exciting. Um, it's something I've been looking forward to announcing for a while. And uh, 2021 is going to be a great year for us. It sounds awesome and it's very exciting. So there's, you said there was going to be two locations. Where are those going to be at? Yeah, so uh, one location will be um, at Mickelson actually. And I was originally going to build um, one location and build kind of a test location at Mickelson. And it's really, you know, quite small. It won't be the same as what I'll call my, you know, flagship or marquee locations of what I'd be building in a second location at Heritage Point. Um, and then I really plan on building uh, many more facilities beyond that as well, um, down the road a little bit. Um, but Heritage Point would be more of our kind of flagship location and not that anything we do at Mickelson won't be spectacular and won't be awesome because it will, but it just won't have the purpose-built building the same way. And it'll be you know, a little smaller, uh, quite a bit smaller. Um, but yeah, those will be the two first locations, uh, one being much more of the overall concept that I envision for Launchpad and the other one having the overall experience and, you know, the hitting bays and, you know, some awesome things with it, but just a little bit different. That sounds amazing. So what is the timeline looking like for opening if everything goes according to plan this year? Yeah. So um, I think at Mickelson National will probably be like early summer-ish um, kind of opening and then I think at Heritage Point, probably late fall. Um, lots of work underway right now. If you came out to, on location, you wouldn't necessarily see it because of the type of construction methodology we've chosen, uh, where it's a precast uh, concrete type uh, facility, um, and it's actually built off-site. So lots of work ongoing right now, um, and then come early spring, uh, these buildings will get put up and in place very, very quickly. And then it'll be about the finish, finishing out of the actual buildings uh, early in the spring. Awesome. Now, we've got listeners from all over the province, and we've had a bunch of people asking, when is Edmonton getting one? <laughs> so you mentioned expansion. Any, any thoughts about Edmonton eventually getting something like this? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think we'll have some other announcements and in 2021 um not prepared to make any of those announcements today of course but um i you know the the concept has been extremely well uh, received i want to make sure we do a really good job with the first two facilities um but there's definitely some ongoing work and and things uh, in the background that uh, for sure edmonton is a, a market and a place that we want to be at uh, soon okay you're gonna have a lot of happy people hearing that yeah i hope um, so <laughs> quick question i guess about some of the things that um probably specifically the heritage point would would offer 
Um, there was a mention in the article Wes Gilbertson did um, about like a retractable screen. And then there were some questions that I was looking at um, on that article, you know, people asking if it's going to be a dome or how that screen works. Can you kind of explain or if you even know what that's going to no. kind of look like? Right. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to do, because I've gone through so many different iterations and versions of creating what this facility looks like. Um, one of the hallmarks and the things I challenged our team with was ensuring that we could be open in the Canadian market 365 days a year. And, you know, of course, that means that there's minus 30 degree days in Canada in some markets that I wanted to be open. And so what the retractable screen is, is if you've been to another facility um, like uh, Launchpad Golf, there's a hitting area. And then right behind the hitting area, there's, you know, um, table and chairs or there's a, a, a sectional couch or something like that. And so what the retractable screen would be would be a screen between that hidden area and this sitting area. So you'd still be able to have all the same communication, be able to talk to people that are out there hitting. I mean, yes, we would have lots of heat coming down on the person out there hitting. But a lot of times when it's minus 30 in the winter, it's cold. There's also a lot of wind. And what the retractable screen does is it blocks 90% of the wind. So it keeps the area behind where you're hitting much more comfortable. So you'll definitely be hitting out into a regular range um, like other facilities that would be similar to Launchpad Golf. It won't be in a dome or anything else, but we've just done this as an extra precaution on those coldest days of the year that we have that type of flexibility. Um, I don't really, not sure if we're gonna actually need to use the screens a lot, but it's certainly built into our plan to have them if they're needed. That is awesome and definitely something I mean, I don't know what the weather in Calgary has been like the last week or so, but oh, where I am, it has been chilly. So definitely would be much appreciated on days like recently. Right. And then in, in terms of, you know, the other things that Heritage Point specifically, again, would, would have, we're looking at, you know, like dining options, a full lounge, all the whole shebang, right? Yeah. Most of those things will be inside. Um, of course, uh, you know, we um, want to make sure that uh, we're respectful of the people and, you know, businesses and, and whatnot around us. Um, so the dining facilities and, you know, things of that nature will all be inside. Um, of course, there'll be a typical type of hitting bay and setup um, uh, outside that some people have, that have been to other facilities like Launchpad would be accustomed to. Those would feel and look very similar. We're going to do some unique things on the ends of our uh, each of the different levels that we have where we'll have uh, what we're considering and I believe we will do they'll feel a little bit more like suites which will be a little bit of a unique um, opportunity with a, maybe a little bit more seating and some other uh, amenities and, and a few unique uh, components to these suites at the end of each level and so there might be two or three suites on each end on both levels um, that would create a little bit of differentiation and, and some other options, but for sure, you know, inside will be about you know, entertainment, creating experiences, you know, beyond just the golf and the food and beverage, you know, I've challenged our team, our architects, our designers, you know, construction, my team, the people I'm working with on Launchpad to really think about how we can create experiences. And I think we've got some really unique ideas on different things that we can do that I'm uh, super excited to uh, introduce when these facilities open up. 
That is awesome. And anyone who kind of knows where I stand in the golf industry knows for me, experience is huge. That's essentially how I kind of rate my time at a golf course or even on the Alberta golf tour and make sure that everyone's experience is consistent and reliable and positive. So um, that all sounds like a lot of fun. I like the plan. So really looking forward to seeing what this is going to look like. Um, any other additional comments, Barry? Um, no, I, I think, you know, I'm I, not too much. I think what I would add is, you know, we think that what we're bringing to the table with Launchpad is going to be a different experience and new. Um, extremely excited about the connection between our targets uh, and what those will look like um, compared to what people, I think, expectation is. I think we've got an incredible uh, technology um, component to that as well. Um, and then I think some of the overarching uh, things that we'll bring to the table that are experience like um, beyond just what people are expecting is probably what I'm most excited about. Love it. Very excited for this. And I'm sure as we get closer to one or both of the facilities opening, we will touch base again and have you back on the podcast. And yeah, let's, let's get this going. <laughs> I love it too. I can't wait and uh, really look forward to that. Well, thanks again for your time today, Barry. And we'll be in touch as the season goes on. Anytime. Absolutely love to, to chat golf anytime you'd like. Great. Well, thanks again and have yourself a great afternoon. Okay. Thank you. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview and you got a little bit more information than what was already out there uh, about Launchpad. So I'm so excited to see what this facility is going to look like. And all you Edmonton people, I asked the question for you. Um, the majority of my questions actually came from Edmonton golfers asking if there was going to be one up there. So fingers crossed for a 2021 announcement for a launch pad announcement up there for you guys. Now, I need your help. Okay, I need to know what you guys want to hear on the pod. Throw me a bone here. Let me know like you, the, you guys are the ones that demand this stuff. So like, I want to put out the content that you actually give a crap about. If there's new courses or deals or whatever you want, equipment even, let me know what you want to hear. I'm going to post up some stories on Facebook and Instagram, answer those questions so that we are continuing to putting out, to put out the, the content that you actually care about. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at GolfLifeAB as well. Check out the website at GolfLifeAB.com. We have a new one up. I don't know if anyone noticed. Uh, and a few more contributors on there as well. So that is all the time we have for today. Um, I'm going to attempt to put two podcasts out in February. No promises, but maybe. Uh, listen, Feb's busy because it is the month that I release the Alberta Golf Tour schedule. And you guys, it is looking so good. I'm so excited. We've switched up a couple major locations, got a couple new courses, got a couple old ones we haven't been to in several years. So it is going to be a fun summer. Um, if you haven't played before, come join us. You don't even have to have experience in tournament golf. We'll show you the ropes. 
it's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you join us there. And hopefully I will see you twice. If not, I will for sure see you once in February. And thanks for joining me. Have a great month, you guys. 